We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Meg McGower, and we are through the Sweet 16. Uh, lots of great games this weekend. I know I'm at least a little bit tired from watching 16 hours of basketball in two days, but it's been a lot of fun to watch, and we're on to the Elite Eight Monday and Tuesday this week to break down kind of what we saw this weekend and what's to come on Monday and Tuesday. I'm here with Aaron Barzilai. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. My heart's still pounding after that game. Yeah, it's late. We're recording at like 11.15 Eastern time, but I feel like I've got a burst of energy from watching the finish of that the Maryland-Texas game there. It's a great way to round out the Sweet 16 games from this weekend. Hook them. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have to brag a little bit because I got a lot of flack for saying that I didn't think Maryland was going to make it to like the final four and that yeah they score a lot of points but they haven't faced a lot of tough defense in the in the big 10 and also their defense concerns me and i think i mean texas just put on a defensive clinic with them a bit tonight but they really couldn't figure out how to score on the Texas team I believe it's season low in, in points for them yeah including uh for me you took flack so i was definitely very skeptical i've been pretty high about them i mean you know like at Indiana's at the um, I, uh, right is going to be in the Elite Eight. Um, you know, it's, you know, it felt like uh, you know, the Big Ten was pushing hard, which kind of just raised my opinion of Maryland even more. And they were, uh, I believe, plus eighty nine over the first two games of the weekend. Uh, which uh, only team that was better was Baylor at plus ninety one, right? So both those teams, I guess, kind of regressed a little bit uh, in this round, right? And so, um, yeah, I was like very impressed. I mean. 
you know, the number that I think really jumps out at me is that uh, Maryland only shot five for 22 from three. Benzen uh, was two for seven, and she's just been spectacular uh, all season, as you heard mentioned on the broadcast. Um, yeah, she shot almost 51%, rounds to 51% this season, uh, entering tonight on 179 attempts. So she's the only player who shot better than 50%. Uh, on over 100 attempts this season. And no one had done that since 2016-17. So it's been a while. Um, Story Walker Kimbrough uh, did it one of those years for Maryland as well, actually, interestingly enough. So uh, for her to go two for seven, right? Like just one more of those pits and we're going to overtime. Um, so yeah, a spectacular game. You could totally see the nerves. Those couple, what was going on with those free throw rebounds that uh, were happening or not happening for Maryland? Um, I mean, if Texas had picked up that one seal, that would have been just unbelievable way to really kind of ice the game for the Longhorns. But yeah, just still can't totally believe it. Uh, you you were right. Maryland <laughs> definitely uh, wasn't going to make it. I saw one or two people on our timeline uh, tweeting about it as well, uh, adding a few people um, on our team or not on our team. So got a chuckle there. And uh, so, yeah, so now with Maryland uh, going down, we had a South Carolina Texas battle. I think that was gonna be fun. I think I mean you've got Olia Boston, obviously great one of if not the best centers in the country, and then Charlie Collier, who I mean I felt like she was underwhelming tonight, but then looked at the set she and she had sixteen and eleven, so like not not bad by any standards. But I think it's gonna be interesting to see how she faces up with Olia Boston, and of course when you're looking at someone that's projected to be. The number one draft pick in the country. I think it's going to be interesting to see how she faces up with Boston, who's clearly a, a future pro. Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought too deeply about these Elite Eight matchups, but is that going to be the... I mean, I think I'm most excited for the UConn-Baylor game, right? Because I just think that those are, you know, two of the very best teams remaining. Um, when we ran when I ran our predictions, which admittedly were high on Maryland uh, <laughs> uh, before the start of the uh, Sweet 16, I think between, uh, okay, I called this up before we started. Yeah. Between Baylor and Connecticut, we sort of gave them combined a, uh, basically, I think a 44% chance to uh, be the champion. So, you know, we could have a situation, I'm sure in particular, South Carolina and Stanford fans, uh, you know, would disagree, but, you know, it could be actually sort of potentially the um, game that determines the championship at some level. Um, so I think that might be the marquee game, but then maybe the, uh, you know, Collier Boston matchup is kind of the marquee matchup, the closest thing to Beckers and Clark in the Sweet 16. Yeah, yeah. I think Collier and Boston, the matchup there is probably the best matchup of the Sweet 16 and I'm, or the Elite 8. I mean, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching that. But like you said, I think that Baylor UConn game, I mean, that's, the, I think, the big ticket game of this round. It feels like, you know, teams that you typically would see met, meet up in the Final Four or a championship game, in my opinion, two of the best teams by far in the country right now. I kind of think them and Stanford are on a bit of a, a different level. Um, and I've kind of been saying this and I guess the numbers back it up, but I do, I do think the winner of that game probably wins it all. So you don't think, okay. So you don't think I'm too, too crazy that, uh, the winner of that game has a very strong chance to win it all. No, I, I really do think that. I mean, I think Baylor just because they didn't play a non, they're kind of ranked non-conference opponents this year with COVID, like that UConn game earlier in the season got canceled. The big 12 is not a super strong conference. I think they got seated as a two because their resume didn't have those big signature wins. But I think if you you looked at the way they were playing and how much they were beating teams by it, they looked like a top four, top five team in the country. 
Yeah, we, uh, I think, had them, I want to say they were maybe fourth or even third, potentially, in the Her Hoop Stats rating on Selection Monday. Um, so, you know, and again, our model's not perfect. And, you know, I, as I've argued before, you know, I think the committee should be doing it and we shouldn't do it just by the numbers. But, um, yeah, I, I've always felt, uh, and you've sort of seen in the simulations that there were kind of five teams, um, that were kind of in a, in a top tier. Maybe you could put UConn at the very, very top. Um, one of them went down in Maryland, you know, but the rest are still alive, Stanford, South Carolina and Baylor. So, um, but unfortunately UConn and Baylor have to, uh, face each other uh, a little earlier. It would have been great to have gotten that in the final four, but uh, nevertheless, I think the, the people are going to be watching. Right. And I think, I mean, it's two teams that likely would have had to go through each other eventually to get to that championship game. So yeah, maybe it's a shame that it's in the elite eight versus the final four, but it's still going to be a great game. And I think it's going to be a, a really fun matchup to watch one that can definitely go either way. would be surprised if it's kind of decided by more than, five seven points so i, I think it's going to be kind of mm. a really great prime time monday matchup i'm glad to hear that if you look on our um homepage, uh, you'll see our predictions and uh you know we've got them updating automatically so you know we're actually predicting basically a 69 to 65 uh yukon win so like a four point game yeah i mean i think it's going to be quite different than yukon's win over iowa i don't think they'll be scoring 90 points by any stretch of the imagination against baylor's defense and i mean baylor had to grind it out against michigan but i still think you know the that was a tough matchup for them, but I think they're still, you know, that really dominant team. And I'm excited to see kind of how the two teams face up. I think obviously the attention kind of goes towards the front court battle, right? You've got Melissa Smith and Queen Egbo for Baylor and then Olivia Nelson and Dota and Aaliyah Edwards for UConn, who have been playing fantastically together so far this tournament with Nika Miwa out. Aaliyah Edwards has moved into that starting lineup and it's been a kind of one-two punch from UConn up front too. So I think kind of two front courts that have two dominant players inside. It's not something a lot of teams have. And then that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Do you, how do you feel about um, UConn's front court matching up against Baylor? Would you give Baylor the edge, even though you're uh, living in the state of Connecticut and do your best <laughs> to stay as impartial as possible? Yeah, no, I still think Baylor has the edge in the front court matchup. I mean, Melissa Smith is fantastic. She's an AP All-American. She's just, I mean, she went 11 for 11 from the floor in that Michigan game against Naz Hillman, who's one of the other best front court players in the country. So, <laughs> I will say she did get a, you know, we, we talk a lot about generous assists, though. I feel bad saying this, but if you rewatch the uh, end of the third quarter, she missed a shot like basically right before the buzzer expired and they didn't credit her with the miss so still a spectacular spectacular performance yeah, I mean, even if it I, is 11 for 12 i think it doesn't really negate the point i mean she's just spectacular she's got a little bit of range too right she can do more than just just post up yeah. um a pretty versatile player and obviously very strong in the defensive end no surprise there baylor's always got one of the best defenses in the country so i think i mean melissa smith is fantastic and I mean, Ole Edwards has been fantastic for UConn in this tournament too, and I think it's going to be a. But she's a freshman, and it's going to be a really tough test, I think, for her to have to go up someone like against someone like Melissa Smith in the post. Yeah, you you wrote that article this week, right, about kind of the top players by like win, uh, in the country and by win chairs and. Um... PR, right? PR minutes. And so Alyssa Smith, I was checking earlier, right? She's fourth in the country in winters, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think she's up to 9.9 .9 now. So it might be slightly higher than when you wrote the article, probably. But uh, so yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing her kind of seeing them, uh, you know, get more time there. What do you feel? You know, I feel like watching UConn a bit, right? Everybody complains about how UConn gets too much attention, but um, I think it's, it's reasonable. Uh, and uh, but what do you think about Nelson Adota? 
um, and like how she's been progressing. And, um, you know, I remember we talked about her last year and it kind of felt like, oh, she needs to get more experience under her belt and some of these tough matchups against the very best bigs. And so, you know, here's another chance for her to perform against someone, um, you know, a top front court like Baylor. So like, are you feeling that they're prepared or are you still, you know, kind of a little nervous as a UConn fan? Yeah, I'm feeling like they're prepared. I think a big thing for Nelson and Dota is the fact that UConn now has Aaliyah Edwards. They've got two people in the front court, and I think that mm. takes a lot of pressure off of Nelson and Dota to kind of do it all in that post battle, which especially with Baylor team that has, you know, Queen Egbo in addition to Melissa Smith is, is a lot to ask of one player, and I think that was probably a big thing last year in that UConn-Baylor matchup that UConn lost is that they didn't really have anyone else they could get and put in the post up with uh, Nelson and Dota. Where now they've got Aaliyah Edwards, who, like I said, has been fantastic. I mean, just a freshman, but really, especially in this tournament, has been great for UConn. Um, so I, I think... Yeah, favorite, of- I know you mentioned this. Sorry, it's an Aaliyah Edwards stat. I think I've seen you mention this before on Twitter, but I was checking it uh, earlier, right? She's hitting 70% for the season from the field, um, yeah. leading the country among anyone who's taken 100 shots. Uh, 70.4%. No one's uh, shot 70% since uh on 100 shots or more since 2015-16 so yeah spectacular yeah really really impressive and i think um you know at the beginning of the season it was a lot of her coming in crashing the offensive glass and getting that quick put back which obviously leads to some higher efficiency but then i think in this tournament she's shooting over 80 percent from the floor and so far in the tournament and we've seen her expand that range more she's working inside to make her own buckets and she's even stepping out to the free point line for not the three-point line, the free-throw line some and knocking down some jumpers from there. <laughs> so she's she's expanded that range a bit too. So I think, you know, kind of the pair of them inside, it's going to be an interesting matchup. But I, I think it gives them a little bit of, you know, a, a better chance against the likes of Baylor's front court. I still think Baylor has the edge, but I would say UConn probably has the get edge in the backcourt. So it's kind of, I want to say like mm-hmm. an equal split there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're given basically UConn a 63%, 64% chance to win, um, which actually I think, yeah, not surprisingly, right, is actually maybe the tightest game uh, just by, by percentage points uh, or decimal points uh, of the, the elite eight, four Elite Eight games. Yeah, that seems to make sense to me. I think if you look over on the other side of the bracket, you've got the overall number one seed Stanford up against Louisville. That's one I feel like might not be so close, I think. We saw Louisville play. Um, Dana Evans was fantastic today. She was absolutely fantastic. The rest of Louisville, not so much. And I think that was enough to get it done over Oregon, especially with Nara Savali going out in that game, which really hard blow for them, especially when yeah. they have pow pow out with injuries. So tough blow for Oregon. But if it's just the Dana Evans show, that's not going to be enough for Louisville to get it done over Stanford. Stanford just has too many weapons for you to try to beat them with one player. Yeah, you know, but at the same time, right, and this is exactly why I always say we can't overreact to just one game, right? Like Stanford did not look great in the round of 32, right, against Oklahoma State, I think, right? They had one of the closer games of kind of the big uh, power teams. And so, you know, what a difference a game makes. Uh, obviously, a spectacular performance today. And, uh, but, you know, and then Louisville, right, had been in a slump. Dana Evans hadn't played well for a while as well people have been talking about really ad nauseum but but it was all facts and today she broke out right and so it all just kind of depends i think there's no question you know stanford lost to uh right colorado right earlier this year so they lost like two games you know they're (laughs) they've only lost two games right and they lost them both 
um and like back to back right i was like mm-hmm. i don't yeah, know what was going on right afterwards i believe <laughs> yeah it was like january 17th and january 22nd right <laughs> and so aside from like a random week uh you know they're undefeated and uh so um you know i think it could go either way you know our model gives makes it a close game uh you know 70 70 70.6 to 66.4 so again a four point game kind of a similar score uh with stanford of course uh favored oh i forgot to tell you one interesting uh sort of yukon baylor stat let me pull that back up is arkansas if if one of these two teams wins the national championship is arkansas the sort of national champion by default since they've been <laughs> they both lost to arkansas right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now they were at Arkansas for both those games, but I was kind of looking around doing some prep. I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I don't know if you ever play that Kevin Bacon game, right? Approving that some team that's like, you know, much, much worse than Colorado, right? Is, yeah. uh, you know, deserves to be national champion by the transitive property. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's always a fun game to play. So I guess Arkansas could make that claim to fame after bowing out in the first round if one of you kind of barely does go and win it all but yeah I think with Louisville Stanford I don't know Louisville just a team all season long really that hasn't passed the eye test for me it's it just they've mm. had a lot of close games they against not top tier opponents it just I don't know just something doesn't pass the eye test for me and I think that's continued in the tournament right and part of that was Dana Evans had a rough few couple games but even tonight when she was on it was like uh, no one else stepped up to help her so they never seem to pull together a game where I'm like, wow, they look really good. And I think they're going to have to do that against Stanford to get a win. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the, um, let's see, I'm trying to do my math off the top of my head here. I think the best team that uh, Louisville has beaten all season, the highest seed certainly was Northwestern in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the Northwestern win, the Oregon win. You know, without that, they beat a three and one Duke team who our system rates pretty highly. They beat Georgia Tech uh, once. They beat Virginia Tech. So they don't really have any signature wins, right? They played uh, two very close games to NC State or one very close game. 56, they lost by two, 58, 56 um, this month, right? March 7th. I guess that was what the, the tournament? tournament. That was the tournament, right? Right. And they also lost on February 1st that game. Uh, was 74 to 60 NC State one, and that was a home game for Louisville. So they don't really, you know, have any great, great, great wins, but it's the nature of all these teams not really playing non-conference, right? right. Um, Stanford's best win, um, you know, again, it's inside the, the Pac-12, right? So right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how it plays out. Um, obviously, you know, my, you know, since I went to grad school at Stanford, I, I try, I have to try to be partial there. Um, but you know, Stanford sure, I agree. They sure looked impressive today, but you know, we've, if anything, you know, the message of that Maryland game, right. Anything can happen. So, right. um, uh, I mean, you know, you might've picked, you might not have, you might've doubted Maryland, but, um, you know, I think not many people thought outside of the state of Texas, as we heard uh, <laughs> say on TV thought that, uh, that the Texas could beat Maryland. So there's no doubt that, you know, we should be in for an exciting one. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I think the other thing on Stanford before we move on to the other matchups is just that, like, their depth is just insane. I, they bring so much in off the bench. I think they play a bigger rotation than, than kind of most top teams in the country do. So they've just got so many different weapons. And I thought, even though she only played, like, maybe with, like, 10 minutes today, she was eligible. Cameron Brent just came in, and every time Missouri State tried to go in the paint, she was swatting that ball out of there. I think she had five blocks in, like, 10 minutes. It was absolutely insane. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm a, you know, you've heard me talk before. I think I'm a huge uh, fan of Cameron Brink. And, you know, I just think she's destined for great things. I eat it up when they talk about her, um, you know, getting a trade by Portrait. And, uh, you know, when they talk about how her parents, right, are the, or what are the Della, Della Curry? Oh, I can't believe I'm embarrassed that I'm forgetting his wife's name is, you know, godparents for Cameron Brink. So I'm a sucker for that story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I thought today, even with the blocks, like her game just reminds me so much of Brianna Stewart, which is, I think she's going to be so good by the time, you know, she's the upper classman in college. Just already- It reminds you of Stewart. I didn't, you know, I was, I mean, honestly, right. I wasn't watching that closely. I mean, do you really think like, I love that she can shoot from outside, but I mean, do you really think she can operate the way Stewie can? Yeah. I feel like in a lot of ways, like she's got the length, right? But has and kind of the same structure like Stork came into college and she was lanky and thin like that and I don't know the way she blocks the ball inside and can play inside get the rebounds but also step out and shoot it it, re- it reminds me of Stewie quite a bit really do you think she's going to be able to I'm not saying she's going like to be like the next Stewie <laughs> because I think that's a pretty high ceiling to put on anyone but I just think there are similarities to them <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned um, how deep they are. So, um, yeah, Stanford, especially now with Maryland out, entering the – of the Sweet 16 teams, Maryland and Stanford had, like, the most distributed scoring of any uh, of the te- of the 16 teams that played this weekend. Uh, you know, Maryland's top scorer only scored 16% of their points. Stanford, 20%. You know, Maryland probably had a little bias because they were blowing teams out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they really spread the wealth, right? Like the top, the big three in terms of total scoring for Stanford entering tonight, you know, scored less than 50% of, uh, the team's points. So, um, I think that, um, you know, you're right. They've got all these different weapons. They sort of, you know, as a result, they don't have like the super duper star that you kind of feel like sort of like the Caitlin Clark page Beckers, you know, handling the ball at the end there. But, um, you know, I think I personally think that can be a strength. So. Yeah, I think they've got a lot of players that are capable of, do, of doing stuff for them. And I think the biggest strength is, right, they could have two, three players that have an off night and still have a really good game because they just have so many other people that they can sub in and they can have a good night off the bench or do something else for them. Um, yeah, they don't have that superstar. I feel like it's something that's made to be – I know they're the number one overall seed, but it does kind of feel like they've flown up to the radar a little bit. Like they're not getting as much hype as maybe like Maryland was, for instance. Um Maybe that's just the East Coast bias too, but um, I think that's probably, yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. Right. I mean, the thing I like about Stanford, right. Is I think that, uh, you know, with that, you know, there's all those people, I feel like you could trust all of them. Right. Like they, right. you don't really have those moments where like Dee Dee Richards as talented as she is kind of has those like record scratch moments as, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I know Nate Duncan in the NBA has sort of coined <laughs> that phrase. 
Um, you know, when it's like she's got the ball kind of inside just under the free throw line and doesn't shoot or whatever. Right. And you're just kind of like, well, that's going to be the best shot we're going to get. And so, you know, I still Stanford. They, they just have so many weapons. Everybody can do it. Anna Wilson has only missed, I believe, now two shots all tournament. Um, and I don't think she's missed a three. I think she's like five for five. I got to got to look that one up. So, um, you know, a lot of great shooting performances. Again, it's a small sample size, just three games and usually get the regression in the mean. But um, yeah, I'm feeling confident when just about anyone's uh, shooting for them. So, yeah, they've been lighting up for from three so far this tournament i think it's like close to 15 threes at, at least a game that they've been hitting so far so it's yeah i mean that makes any team hard to beat right if you're gonna knock down that many shots from deep and then also be able to go inside like they do as well it, it's gonna be really tough to beat them yeah yeah so um you know we shouldn't go too long as we talked mm-hmm. about we haven't you know i feel like we've neglected a game that's probably going to be on tuesday uh at nine o'clock which is indiana arizona in the uh the mercado region i think it's monday that's that's is that the monday game yeah it is the monday game so yeah oh yeah yeah. oh that's the monday at night but that's how much i haven't been paying attention (laughs) sorry um arizona but uh but yeah no that's gonna be exciting game right because they're both playing for their what is it their first final four appearance yeah both first time teams in the elite eight so neither program has been the elite eight before and then obviously whichever program comes out of that will also make their first final four so that's super exciting um great for indiana and then for Arizona, I think just like where Ari McDonald has been able to kind of carry this program. And then also that's kind of an awesome story in that the I think it's the last time Arizona made it to a Sweet 16, a DMR mm-hmm. was a player. They lost to UConn in the Sweet 16, but now coming back, they she brings them back to their, their first Sweet 16 since and they, they win it and are headed to the, the Elite Eight. So. Oh, that's right, I guess. So yeah, there's a chance that it if Arizona and UConn both win, right, then they'll face each other. In the yeah, there's a chance for that rematch, I guess, in the Final Four as well. So that's a pretty cool story. Um, but I think just just awesome to see two pro player or two programs that one of them is going to a first time Sweet Sixteen or it's not Sweet Sixteen Final Four. Um, so that's really exciting on that side of the bracket. Yeah, Arizona, right? They had a couple of ESPN games, and um, I think did not. Am I remembering that correctly? They didn't do so well on those. Um, Indiana, I watched a little bit, uh, not a ton, I will say, but um, you know, particularly in the Big Ten tournament. So yeah, I'm really impressed by them. You know, I think they got a lot of talented players. Holmes, Berger. So, um, so yeah. So even though we're not probably, it's not the marquee matchup. I think of the of the four Elite Eight games, it's probably the least uh, um, kind of catching people's eyes but you know i think it's going to be a very good game a very close game right we're predicting again like a, a four point four four and a half point game you know we're we're giving indiana about a 67 percent chance to win and again part of that is because we've been a little i think the, the model's been underwhelmed by uh arizona maybe we're giving Air, indiana a little too much credit for playing in the big 10 <laughs> but uh but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for all of it. I got to say, I feel like I peaked a little too early uh, watching Sweet 16 basketball yesterday. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the games weren't, uh, you know, this last game was amazing, right? Otherwise, they were all double digit wins. So it wasn't as compelling, but I'm really looking forward to trying to get a little bit of sleep. It's a uh, spring break uh, in our school system here. So I'm going to try and get a little extra rest. I don't have to wrestle up the kids early and uh, get them to school. And then that way I can recharge and really dig into uh, these four games over the next two days. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling the, the effects of watching like 16 hours of basketball <laughs> this weekend right now. But yeah, I think, um, you know, 
it's going to be a close game, I think, between Indiana and Arizona and two really defensive-minded teams. So it's probably going to be kind of a grinded-out, ugly win on whoever comes home with the win. But I, I think it's going to be a good game. And I enjoy that Arizona press. I like watching that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ari McDonald, too. I just enjoy to watch my opinion. She's so much fun to watch. So looking forward to seeing her in Arizona jersey at least one more time before she goes on. Yeah, you know... Well, let's end it on this. I'm curious to hear a little bit about what are your thoughts? First of all, have you liked the production of the the Sweet 16 here, including that rail cam, RC1, I think Ryan Rebecca called it. Or no, I guess Rebecca called yeah. that and Ryan enjoyed it's a, it. The rail cam is okay. I don't like love all the different camera angles. I will say it's better than like the men's game, some of the like biggies tournament, for, especially for the, when you come over playing, like the camera angles switch so much that it would literally make you dizzy. It has not been like yeah. that. So I'm, <laughs> I will not complain because at least it's not like giving me motion sickness. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's a little disorienting to have all the different angles switch, but in general, I think the production has been really good. Obviously the broadcast teams have been fantastic and glad to see that they're, they're in San Antonio now for these games too, which I think has been awesome. Yeah, so I was so excited uh, for that first game on Saturday, the UConn Iowa game, to see that Ryan and Rebecca were like literally courtside. Because um, even you know, for most of the, I mean, I don't think they're actually sitting there. Or may, well, you know, have they shown us them when they're sitting down broadcasting a game? Because usually they've been showing them all season, kind of a little bit removed in the stands. I feel. Yeah, I haven't seen them actually show it, so I'm gonna go right. ahead and guess that they're not sitting right courtside. <laughs> <laughs> it's still exciting that they can stand there, though. Yeah. <laughs> Um, right. But yeah, right. And then it's also fascinating just the way the logistics worked out with the two courts and the idea that you can just have two broadcast teams and cover eight games in two days because uh, they've been, uh, you know, Beth and Debbie and China have been covering one game. And then, you know, it's been uh, Ryan or Rebecca and uh, Holly on the other and they can just kind of get a couple, you know, I wonder how much they're uh, recharging and how much they're they're able to watch the uh, game on the opposite court when they're when they're not broadcasting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you like this Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday schedule? That's my other question for you. Um, yeah, I actually think I do. I'd like having the games that are kind of all day being on the weekend. That's selfish though, right? It's like I have a day job, so being able to not have to take time off and be able to just watch all the basketball mm-hmm. is, is nice. Um, and then just have the night games on a Monday, Tuesday. I think usually yeah. it's right Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, but then you've got a Friday game of longer games that's during work day so i i kind of prefer having them on the weekend yeah i think it's great i think that it was really worked out really well for the first weekend um because the second round was not against the men's tournament right because they uh because the shifting unfortunately uh, like i haven't watched any really of the men's sweet 16 uh because the uh you know because the women's games have been going across it and unfortunately that same is going to be true tomorrow although i did notice that the um that texas win here well, the men's game was at halftime, so I'm hoping a lot of people flipped over to catch the last uh, couple of minutes there. Um, so, but yeah, so especially if the men stick to a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule like they usually do, then I hope that they'll do this again next year um, and let Monday and Tuesday be just for the women's elite eight. I think that would be amazing. Obviously, the tough part is that the final four is right now on a Friday sunday schedule and so that's a pretty tight turnaround if you do have to travel from uh you know a, a regional site to the i guess minneapolis right next year mm-hmm. so um you know it is a little rough to have to travel on wednesday and then play a final four game on friday but from a viewership standpoint i think it would be amazing 
Yeah, I agree from a viewership standpoint, though. I expect they'll kind of return to the, the normal schedule just because the travel piece is such a big piece of why I think it's normally structured the way it is. And they obviously get that advantage this year of being all on one site. No one's traveling in between these rounds unless they're going home. So um, maybe they could go Sunday, Tuesday. I don't know. Instead yeah, of, instead yeah, of Friday, Sunday for the. I think the, it's nice to not be up against the men in some of the games. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyhow, so the, yeah, I'm always fascinated about the broadcast stuff, as you know. So, all right, so let's wrap it up. Give me your your four picks of who's going to the final four from the four games Monday and Tuesday. You know, I'm probably going to be pretty boring, and you know, I think uh, as excited as I am for this UConn Baylor game, and as much as I respect the Baylor front court, I do think I'm going to go with UConn. Uh, there again, I think that game could have easily been the championship game. So not super confident on that one, but I think I'm going to go UConn definitely feeling Stanford, uh, probably too much after their win, uh, today and same for South Carolina. I think that, um, you know, Texas, unfortunately is probably the, the, certainly the lowest seed, right. In the elite eight. So, um, I think that's just good. You know, South Carolina is going to be too much for them. So I think the real question is Arizona, Indiana, but I think, I think ultimately I just have as much as I love Arizona and actually, you know, I'm from there too. Originally I went to high school. Uh, it's up there, but I think I have to go with uh, the Hoosiers. I think Indiana is going to be my fourth team. You want to run the bracket? I'm definitely going with Stanford. I feel like they actually will probably win it pretty handedly. Wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of run away with that one. And then I'm also going to take UConn over Baylor, though. I do think that's, probably one of the more contested games of the night and then or the two nights, I guess. And then I'm going to go with Arizona really like Aaron McDonald feel like she wants to get to that final four. Um, so, so I'm going to go with them. And then to be interesting on South Carolina, Texas, I'm going to go with Texas. Vic Schaefer's been to final four before. He knows what he's doing. What? <laughs> going to go with Texas. Just no, good. We got a little disagreement. <laughs> I think you and I agree too much on this podcast. Maybe it doesn't make for great radio or whatever. And we should, you know, get, get to, uh, I don't know if we'll call those hot takes and um, Calvin's uh, pepper scale, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you'll get good odds if you bet on Texas. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to put any money on it, but I do, I do think, the paper, you know, I think that's kind of one thing that this Texas program that people forget about a little bit. I don't know. I feel like everyone knows that Vic Schaefer went to Texas, but it doesn't seem to come up that much. So You've got a you've got a coach with the Final Four experience for the, at the helm there, and I think I mean, not that Don Staley obviously has that as well, but um, I, I do think that that could help Texas pull up the upset. Are you scarred by that Mississippi State win <laughs> uh, over UConn? Scarred by that <laughs> Morgan Williams, Mother Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I will say Texas showed great poise, right? They were down right. nine nothing three minutes in. And, Looked like they were going to get run out of the gym, and uh, it ended up being uh, what, like a five point. My my computer's a little frozen, so I'm, I'm hesitant to click around. But I think it was like a five point win when all is said and done. Um, and so, I mean, that means after that, they won by fourteen, you know, for thirty seven minutes of this game. Um, so I thought that was really great. You know, they they were struggling to hang on to the rope. I thought for the whole really first half, but they never really let it get out of hand and then able to make that run early, make it close. And then, um, you know, obviously I think that game clearly was a 50, 50 game, but uh, you know, there's no, no reason Texas couldn't do it again. Exactly. So 
like to keep it interesting. I feel like this year is kind of poised for some chaos, so why not throw the six seed into the final four? <laughs> it would be good. It would be good. So, and uh, you know, they would definitely have a home court advantage. You could feel the. Yeah, yeah, I think you could <laughs> sort of feel the fans through the. You know, Ryan and Rebecca were talking about that, and I thought you could sort of hear it a little bit. Yeah. Well, thanks for hopping on with me, even though it's very late here on the East Coast. And I'm looking forward to two more days of Elite Eight basketball before we get to the Final Four. Indeed. Thanks so much for doing this. It's always fun to talk to you and always fun to talk to Hoops. Thanks to everybody for listening to us. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate everyone uh, supporting her hoop stats uh, throughout the tournament. We've had a ton of interest in our podcasts and our articles. You know, a lot of our stat sites getting a ton of traffic. Definitely would encourage you all to uh, listen to check it out and you know subscribe to our stat site if you haven't already uh, to help support us uh, and and you know efforts like this podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.